Market Journal, television for agricultural business decisions, is a presentation of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. Thanks so much for joining us today on Market Journal. I'm Bryce Duskin. You can see it behind me. We join you today from the Nebraska State Fair. This year's theme is whatever your flavor. Of course, there's lots to see and do out here at the fair, from concerts, plenty of 4-H and FFA events, and a fan favorite is always the various fair foods. We'll get a glimpse of some of the activities happening out here at this year's State Fair coming up in a moment. But first, we have this in the field update. Silage shopping season is underway, at least for producers in eastern Nebraska. We head out into the field to Weber Feed Yard. The dry land corn burning up, while the irrigated corn not what they hoped it would be. That was the theme for this year's silage crop from Joel Weber of Weber Feed Yards near Dorchester. For the better part of the year, Weber said his area hasn't caught a substantial rain. Basically, uh, June 22 until the 1st of July 23, we didn't have a rain up to an inch. Uh, cumulative, maybe five or six inches in that time frame. He said in total this year, they've only caught about 10 to 12 inches of rain. That caused this year's silage crop to fall short. I mean, there's some good fields. There's still some good corn around, but it, it's going to be a little scarcer this year. Catching Weber in the midst of a silage chopping run, he said they anticipated doubling the size of that pile that day and then covering it on Friday. The local football team lends a hand, making that task a bit easier. For those in the early stages of chopping, Nebraska Extension's Ben Beckman published a few tips to keep in mind. Number one, the packers should focus on four to six inches for a layer at a time. Number two, the chopping speed should be determined by packing speed, not the silage chopper. And three, covering the silage pile as soon as possible will give about an 8 to 1 return on investment. And of course, with silage season underway across Nebraska and other regions of the country, do want to remind all of our viewers today that there's going to be a lot more traffic on some of those rural roads, so stay safe out there. Up next, it's an interactive experience like none other. From innovation to all the latest in agriculture, it's 25,000 feet just on the inside of space for the youth to learn about uh, all things when it comes to agriculture. So joining us to share more about Raising Nebraska is Experience Coordinator for Raising Nebraska. Her name is Sarah Pollock. Sarah, great to have you here on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So 25,000 square feet just yes. inside the chance, uh, of course, during the fair for a lot of people to get out here and see what this is all about. A couple of the uh, key exhibits you might uh, want our viewers to be aware of. What are those? The key exhibits for a lot of our visitors is our combine simulator. So we have a John Deere combine cab that people of all ages and abilities can hop into and get an experience of what it's like to, to harvest corner soybeans. Our walkable map of Nebraska, which is scale topography and elevation, so people love to find their county or where their family's from. Um, I would also say our scale, where you can weigh yourself or your friends and family in a variety of commodities. So that's some of the fun things that we have here year-round. This is all about educating, as I mentioned, uh, not just the next generation, but all people about agriculture and what's happening in production agriculture today. Of course, a lot of the commodity groups and state organizations come to make this all happen for free. And as you said, year-round experiences too, right? Yes. 
thanks to our donors and sponsors and the University of Nebraska Lincoln and Extension, we're able to be free to people of all ages throughout the year to experience what we have here. Um, and the commodity groups have really gotten behind us and helped us not only with information and, and funding and participation throughout the space. I can't imagine being in your shoes and getting to hear uh, the youth of, next of the next generation, being able to experience some of these things that they might not have ever had the chance to step inside a combine cab like you have <laughs> here. What are some of the things you hear, I guess, from them? What I hear a lot of is how excited they are to be in the space. They didn't know some of the fun facts and that they get to experience agriculture in a hands-on way that maybe they don't get to experience in, in their home or school. So many of our youth are disconnected from agriculture and where their food comes from, that to be able to come here and, and see what it's like to milk a cow or to learn the difference between brown eggs and white eggs, those are things they just don't get in their everyday life. No doubt about that. Well, of course, during the State Fair, you have a lot of foot traffic, but during the mm -hmm. State Fair as well, you have a couple of event, a couple of days you call the largest classroom experience for, for people from around the local schools, I assume. Maybe some travel quite a ways to come here. Have some mm -hmm. estimates of people that were able to come yeah. through the first two days, at least of the three-day run you had. Yeah, we've had over 2,000 youth so far from the, for the first two days. We're in the middle of our third day right now, so we don't have our numbers yet. But... Uh, Partners from all over come together to present that. And schools come from about a two hour drive on average. Uh, certainly a lot of the Grand Island schools uh, come as well. So it's a great opportunity to, to reach some of those students and to help the teachers reinforce what they're teaching in the classroom. Good point about that. Well, remind me when Raising Nebraska all came together to be the exhibit that it is today. What year was that? We started eight years ago. Uh, so a lot of people still don't know that we're here. So we're hoping uh, to help continue that. So it started as part of the move from Lincoln, which of course was right next to the campus and so involved. So when the fair came to Grand Island, it, there was opportunity to see and re-envision what agricultural education looked like at a fairground space, and then we've been able to be open. And now that we've been open for eight years, we've started to think about culturally the world has changed, agriculturally things have changed, and so we've really been thinking about how we do what we, how we do what we do and to maintain our, our status as the leader in the nation in agricultural hands-on education. To that point, recently you announced plans. Going to do some a <laughs> uh, few changes here on the inside of Raising Nebraska. Yeah. Give us a preview in your words what, what that might look like. Well, as part of that revisioning, rethinking about what we do, making sure that we're keeping current on what consumers want to know and what industry wants to make sure people know about sustainability and how their food is raised, we went back and talked to our stakeholders, friends, people we want to be involved with, and what we found was people want to use our space, but we didn't have the space people needed to have the kinds of events here they wanted to have. So starting this fall, we're going to be building a 65-person conference room, multi-purpose room space for educational activities, professional development, trainings, and meetings. So we're very excited to be uh, launching that. I can go to our website and see the plans for that and more information about the project. Okay. Good state fair so far for you as we look back in the last few days? It's been a great state fair. We hosted 4-H contests here. We had over 400 people here just to watch our fashion shows, the, uh, the clothing that youth have made. So it's been really great and, and we're already planning how we're going to change and improve for 2024. It doesn't hurt you have the indoor space here. People yeah. can cool off a little <laughs> bit, but your indoor yeah. and outdoor, what's the outdoor yeah. space look like quickly? Well, one of the special things about Raising Nebraska is we can talk about what we grow in Raising Nebraska. We talk about that inside, but we grow it outside. So we have everything from sugar beets and mung beans all the way to corn and soybeans. We have a section on 
horticulture, so what you can grow at your home. And that's really where we have a lot of fun with, with agriculture, growing our giant pumpkin this year. We've got a Southern Foods Garden. We've got a goth garden full of black and purple plants. So really encouraging people and inspiring them about what they can do with their own gardens, as well as helping inspire them about technology and what's happening in, in agriculture in Nebraska. Education for all ages, I like to Absolutely. say. You've got that combine cab you referenced that. Mm -hmm. You've got a full-size pivot mm -hmm. indoors here, plus the outdoor yeah. exhibits. Yeah. A lot of cool things happening here inside the Raising Nebraska building and outside too. I want to remind our viewers, of course, State Fair continues here through the weekend and on Monday. So if you're headed out here, be sure to swing by the Raising Nebraska exhibit. Joining us now on location to discuss the latest in the grain and livestock markets is Kyle Bumstead. Kyle, great to see you. Good to see you too, sir. Let's start on the row crop side of things and we'll pivot over to cattle. Row crops, things are sideways. Uh, in your opinion here, how long might that last? You know, I think we could see us uh, stay in the sideways range here um, for probably the next uh, four to six weeks potentially. Uh, you know, the old timers always say the low is around Columbus Day because that's when we had to have all of our slips into the FSA office. <laughs> so that's typically when the market bottom, but uh, I do kind of see us trading sideways to maybe grinding lower here. We've held support recently around the 470 area, but if we do violate that area in the corn complex, we could see us uh, make a quick uh, turn down to that 450, maybe 440. And then after you start breaking 440, then you're looking at 430 and 420 as your major support areas. And then we've got to go way back on the charts here to find the major support. And then it gets kind of a gray area from a technical standpoint. You're going down a path. I don't think our listeners and viewers want to want to hear today. That's right. That's right. Well, one of the things that we need to kind of keep in consideration here is we're pulling the combines out of the shed here. What's the amount of carry and does the market is the market paying me to store grain out there to that July time frame or May time frame or March time frame? And I was checking some option uh, prices here on the way in this morning and option volatility is very cheap right now. So if you want to maybe go ahead and part with some of those bushels here off the combine here, stop some interest because interest is a big one this year. It may, uh, may be economical for a producer to look at some of those options out there that March, May, July timeframe as cheap as they're getting right now. So that may be something a person takes a look at. There is, uh, there is some carry in the market, but it's not really bearish. It's more of a neutral type carry right now. Talk to me more about those options for a producer watching today has never gone into that realm. What should they know ahead of maybe looking deeper into that? Well, if you're, if you're looking into the options and you've gotten rid of the corn uh, or beans or whatever, I'd be looking at some call options and I'd probably be looking to be a buyer of those options since volatility is cheap. I uh, wouldn't be looking to sell them here unless you have bushels in the bin that are unpriced um, and you know the risk associated with beans because selling an option carries some risk with it uh, as far as margin and things like that. So if you're buying an option, you know where you're at, you know how much you stand to lose and you know what there is to gain and you kind of got a better break even point figured out when you, when you own that option. All right, one more question on the row crops, and then we'll get into the livestock side. Any potential news that could swing us higher? You only talked about one direction, given your thoughts on, uh, you know, the chart support. Well, yeah, there is, as a matter of fact. You know, we, we don't know what how big this crop is, corn or soybeans. I mean, uh, you know, flew into Grand Island a couple days ago, and you could look down and see folks were combining dryland soybeans. Don't know what the yield is there. We obviously don't know what the yield is going to be on corn yet either. That's uh, kind of a moving target at this point. A lot of choppers running up there in the sand hills and a lot of cutters everywhere going, you know, western Iowa and western Kansas, all over in cattle country, they're taking corn off. And, uh, you know, we don't know the size of the crop yet, but we could also see our export demand pick up as well too. And that's what we ultimately need to see happen is our export demand. We need to get some more demand sparked here for U.S. grain. All right, now over to the livestock, specifically on cattle. Just toss it to you. Give us your overview of where you see the live and feeder cattle markets at as we speak today. 
as we speak today, uh, we've been sideways for several weeks in both these feeders and, and uh, live cattle as we go here. Now, uh, live cattle uh, have been the, the biggest one that have been sideways for several weeks, and uh, I really don't see us breaking out of this trading range in the October contract from that 177.5 to 183.5 area. I think we're going to maybe stagnate in here for a while. Now, if we break those lows of 177.5 from a technical standpoint, we could see a quick $10 sell-off down to the mid-160s. Now, I know that's not what folks want to hear, but up front here, we do have some cattle around us here. We do have a little bit of supply here, you know, short term, but long term, looking at this uh, live cattle complex, I would not be surprised if we make some kind of a all-time high or cycle high, maybe the first half of next year. And uh, that news is probably gonna come, obviously, because we have lower numbers out there. We're probably gonna start retaining some heifers as well. And then uh, we get some uh, snowstorms or something coming in this winter, you're probably gonna get some euphoria and it could jack this market up pretty good. And that's where a producer needs to look at some of those uh, downside protection areas. You and I were talking about the cost of uh, or of keeping cattle right now, I guess, in the feed yard and elsewhere. Talk to me through some of the calculations you've been making right now when it comes to trying to figure out how economical is this truly. That's a good question. Um, actually, a couple days ago, I worked through this, uh, this with some producers and some other folks in my industry. We use the October feeder cattle board and the June live cattle board. And uh, the producers we were talking about were basis western Kansas, which would be southwest Nebraska as well, kind of in that general area. And we used the Western Kansas Cash Corn Index, and that was priced at 504 a bushel. So we used 504 a bushel, we used the feeder cattle board price, and we used the June live cattle contract. And uh, using around eight and a half to eight and three quarter percent interest, taking a 1,450 pound steer out, you're looking at about a 210 break even. So that's where it looks to me very imperative if you get some of these rallies here later this year, first part of next year, where you need to look at that downside protection because we're handling a lot more dollars and our margin hasn't increased as far as profitability. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think if you're not necessarily in the cattle business, not working on those numbers day to day, you can look at these prices and think, wow, these guys must be making money hand over foot right now. That's right. That's right. Well, and you see like new uh, new contract highs, the feeder cattle board this week. And, uh, you know, you've got live cattle trading at all time highs as well. Now, the cash market this week has been, you know, the bids are very early in this week so far, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if cash is steady to maybe a little bit lower when we finally get the calculation here at the end of the week. China continues to come up in various conversations about a lot of things, frankly, but when it comes to the markets and specifically the livestock front with cattle, what are you watching on that front? What concerns you? Uh, what are you keeping an eye on? I'm kind of keeping an eye on their demographic. Uh, last year, China imported $2 billion worth of U.S. beef. Now, I haven't gone back and adjusted for inflation and tonnage and things like that, but their number one consumer of beef in that country is the single male population from about that age 20 to 35. So they're the ones over there that are consuming the beef, but also you need to look at uh, their economy as well. They've done some things over there recently. They've cut interest rates and tried to get folks to stimulate their economy by uh, you know cutting margins and things like that, trying to get folks to invest in their stock market and things like that. So that's one economy we really have to watch. And if we do see some fallout, it could potentially trickle over here in the U.S. economy. Now you look at the U.S. economy, we're sitting here with uh, all-time record high credit card debt. So, you know, consumption of beef is great. We're moving it. People love it. But we've got some things out there that are still lurking out there, kind of in the weeds, so to speak. On last week's program, we spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, herd rebuilding. And one of the things that comes into, into play there is interest rates. Those keep ticking higher at this point. What impact would that have on a producer's mindset of whether to keep your heifers or not? Uh, that, that's the main, that's the main uh, driver right there is, uh, you know, are we going to keep them or are we, we going to part with them? And when you look at the interest rates, I know 
Uh, some ranching operations are looking at 10 to 11% interest here this year, and if that rate continues to keep going up, then you're probably going to see more heifers get placed in the feed yard as opposed to put back in the herd. So I do think that uh, once those interest rates kind of, what I want to say, uh, we start to, if, if we don't raise rates anymore and we start to maybe work down, you're probably going to see a little bit more heifer retention start to take place. Good to have Kyle in person out here at the Nebraska State Fair. Do appreciate him joining us for that segment. Now, coming up next week, we'll be joined back in the studio with Heather Ramsey from the ARC Group. As always, we welcome your commodity questions here on Market Journal. So go ahead and send us an email with your question for Heather. Up next, Husker Harvest Days is going to be here before we know it, here later in the month of September. Of course, it takes lots of people and partnerships to coordinate that big event that happens just west of Grand Island each year. Now, since the first show back in 1978, the Agriculture Institute of Nebraska, a local entity consisting of 11 board members, has been there for rides, providing volunteers for all those information booths and much, much more. But why do they do it? As one of the retired board members says, because we care about Husker Harvest Days and we care about agriculture. You can read all about the work of that volunteer group by reading the September issue of the Nebraska Farmer. Well, it is now time to turn our attention over to the latest when it comes to weather. Joining us now is Nebraska Extension Ag Climatologist and Market Journal's Chief Meteorologist, Eric Hunt. Eric, it is a new month now. Can we expect that August heat to stay, well, in the month of August? Well, thanks, Bryce. And the short answer is no, we are not going to have a break from the heat as we get into September. Good news, though, with the U.S. Drought Monitor, which was released on Thursday morning, we did see uh, more of southeastern Nebraska get removed from drought. So we now have 50 percent of the state in drought. That's the best we've been in quite a while. Even better, we have over 30 percent of the state as free of both drought and abnormal dryness. In terms of how vegetation conditions are looking, again, uh, still relatively good conditions across southeastern Nebraska, where we have seen some improvement, where we have seen the most improvement, frankly, in the last uh, six to eight weeks. Have seen some degradation here across parts of northeastern Nebraska. And again, I think that's probably a reflection of it being very, very warm uh, the previous week and lack of rainfall in that area for about the last, uh, say, 14 days. Uh, again, just really dire, horrendous conditions here across ports of um, south central uh, eastern Nebraska. And as far as a photo example, this is a field of soybeans that has been baled in Knuckles County. Uh, this is taken by Jenny Reese from Extension. Again, just really, really awful conditions on rain-fed corn and soybean down there this year. Um, I've heard stories of corn that's probably not even going to yield five bushels an acre down in that part of the state. Uh, the good news is, though, is we did get some precipitation in that part of the state. It's probably the best precipitation event they've had in months and months in that area. And again, we do see very good precipitation across parts of Lancaster and Cass County. Uh, just taking a look at soil moisture, though, and again, this is from uh, the Harvard Mesonet site, which is near Clay Center. Uh, again, so they had almost two, maybe two and a half inches of rain Friday night and Saturday morning. And you did see this response to soil moisture at uh, five and 10, at, I'm sorry, at 10 and 25 centimeters. But you'll notice the 1500 centimeters, we didn't see any recharge at those levels. And again, I think this is what we've been seeing a lot of across the state this summer, where we have had big precipitation events. They've been very effective recharging the top part of the profile, but we really, rare exceptions, have not seen that recharge get down to the deeper depth. So we still just don't really have a really good reserve of moisture to work with yet as we're going into the fall. So we are absolutely going to need uh, some decent moisture as we get into the fall and this winter to really recharge our soils. So in terms of the week ahead highlights, uh, it's going to be a hot Labor Day weekend, but this will be a less dangerous heat than what we had the previous time. 
We are looking at temperatures being around 100 degrees here at the Kansas border, likely being over 100 degrees in northeastern Nebraska on Saturday and Sunday, possibly being 100 in other parts of eastern Nebraska on Sunday as well. The cold front moving in to the state on Monday, we are looking at chances of storms in, on Monday evening in western Nebraska and on Tuesday afternoon and evening as we get into the eastern half of the state. Now again, this does not look like a widespread, everybody's going to get a half inch to an inch, but some people will get lucky and maybe hopefully get maybe half inch to three quarters of an inch that you need. We are looking at a brief midweek cool down. Now again, I say cool down in quotes. Uh, it'll just go be slightly cooler. We are still looking at it being pretty seasonally warm as we finish the week. And this looks like a trend that's going to continue as we move into September with a ridge being predominant over the central and eastern U.S. We are looking at much warmer than average conditions in the first half of September and relatively dry. This does not mean it's going to be very hot every single day or that we will not going to get any precipitation, but we are looking at drier than normal. Uh, in terms of um, corn predictions, again, we are looking at um, uh, about near, uh, near trend for irrigated corn. And according to this simulation from Dr. Patricia Grassini's group, we are looking at a kind of a mixed bag across the Corn Belt uh, for rain-fed production. Um, again, I think Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota, uh, not been the best year, certainly not the best year in parts of Nebraska either. And I'll finish off today by showing you a picture of a sunflower field uh, from near Alliance, Nebraska with a beautiful sunset in the background. Thanks. Back to you, Bryce. Alrighty, thank you very much for that update, Eric. We do appreciate it. Finally, today, it would not be the State Fair without fair food. You know, you can get fried Oreos, funnel cakes, about anything out here at the Nebraska State Fair, but we are the Beef State, so we're going to be talking about the Beef Pit. Joining us now is Phil Week. He's the Vice Chair of the Beef, beef Pit Committee. Right. Phil, appreciate telling you joining us out here. Talk about the Beef Pit. A lot of people will see your line, hopefully get a chance to eat some of your prime rib sandwiches. How does all this function behind the scenes with the committee? Well, we really couldn't do it without our volunteer help. Every day, we have two shifts that come in, volunteers from all around the state from various organizations. They might be from a local cattlemen association. Today we got the Nebraska Corn Board, Nebraska Corn Growers Association. Absolutely could not do it without their help. We always have great groups of volunteers come in and help us out. There's about uh, 12 couples on the committee and our job is to take shifts throughout the year. We're here for about 13 hours a day. So we open our doors every morning at 10 o'clock. We have to get here a little bit before that and of course there's some cleanup afterwards. But you know, it's, it's a real cooperative effort, a team effort with everybody here to make sure that we can get folks through our line uh, and get them a high quality product at a reasonable price out here at the State Fair. What are the options when it comes to the menu? What can people order? Well, everybody's favorite is always the prime rib sandwich. We've got a prime rib special. That's your prime rib sandwich, two sides and a drink for $15. We've also got roast beef, barbecue beef, and we got an all beef hot dog for the kiddos or anybody that doesn't want a prime rib sandwich. A lot of times I reference, people can see a line out your door, which is always yeah. pretty neat, but you move quickly in here. We do move quickly. You know, the nice thing is once you get in the door, not only are you in this great facility provided by the Nebraska State Fair with air conditioning, but it's about seven or eight minutes once you get in here from the time you walk into the door, time you get your food. Uh, I know yesterday we had a line that stretched clear down the way and it's about a 45 minute wait. So we try to get through, smooth through as fast as we can. What's the goal from uh, your perspective, the committee's perspective, what do you guys want to do out here? Well, you know, Nebraska is the beef state. Beef is a high quality product, nutritious. And our job is to educate folks out here that might not be familiar with the beef state or the beef industry in Nebraska and how much benefit it provides to the state as a whole. So we're here to show a high quality product. So everything we serve is certified Angus beef, which is the upper third of choice on the grading scale. So it's a high quality product out here that you're gonna get. And we just wanna promote the beef industry, promote education and, and how you can you know, incorporate beef into your diet and help promote the industry in the state. Where are you cooking all this beef at? Of course, uh, here we see the front sure. side of it. 
So out on the back, we've got a very large pit cooker and it's on a, a rotary type rack system. So we put several whole primals in there. That'd be the whole prime rib. And then we've also got some eye round that's certified Angus beef as well for our roast beef sandwiches. Uh, but we got a crew that runs the cooker. So we, we put them out there. It takes about three to four hours. That's a nice slow cook. Uh, a lot of folks ask us, what do you season the beef with? You know, what are you putting on it? And absolutely nothing. We don't put salt, pepper, anything on it. It just goes on the cooker. It slow cooks throughout the day. We bring it in, we cool it down and slice it up for folks and get it served. You guys have been doing this, the Nebraska Cattlemen, I should say, since the mid-1980s when the State Fair was back in Lincoln, of course, made the transition to Grand Island. What do you enjoy about volunteering? You know, one, it's the committee. You know, you, you make friends with the folks out here. They're good people. A lot of us are farm folks, you know, really enjoy the industry, really enjoy the state. So there's a lot of camaraderie with the committee. I can't be out here for more than 10 minutes, it seems like, without seeing someone you know. So you get to see a lot of people. And it's you know, it's just the process. It's, it's the goal of getting all the sandwiches served, doing a good job for folks, and getting a good product out the door to them. Um, just a great experience overall, State Fair. Speaking of that goal, of course, most of the vendors out here looking to make some money. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, folks, uh, of course, uh, wanting to get a good bite to eat, but that's not the case with the uh, committee and the beef pit. No, not necessarily. I mean, the goal is not to lose money out here, of course, but you know, our, our primary mission is to promote beef and Nebraska agriculture here at the beef pit. So we rely heavily on volunteer help. As I said, all of our crews coming in, uh, we got great volunteer help. And of course, we got some sponsors as well that we like to uh, give away some tickets to the 4-H and FFA kids so they can come out, you know, get a sandwich as a little bit of a reward for their hard work out here. And, and really, again, the goal is we want to promote the beef industry. You know, it's a high quality product. It's a safe product, uh, nutritious, great to eat. And we just really want to showcase that out here. Nebraska State Fair always working to do, uh, come up with some specials to get people back out here. Absolutely. Maybe for the second or third time. You guys have some deals as part of that you ran throughout the week. We do. And I think the Nebraska State Fair has done a great job to really mix things up and provide some opportunity for folks to come out with some specials. So yesterday for $2 Tuesday, of course, $2 gate entry. But with that, you can come out here and if you buy a prime rib sandwich, you can get a roast beef sandwich as well for $2. And on $3 Thursday, it's the same thing, only it's $3 for that roast beef sandwich. So if you come out, you buy a prime rib sandwich, either as part of the special or just a sandwich, you get that roast beef for $3 on Thursday. Thursday of two dollars yesterday. Making me hungry just talking about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Phil Week, he's the vice chair of the beef, beef Pit Committee out here at the Nebraska State Fair. Beef State, gotta have the beef pit every time you come out here to the Nebraska State Fair. Well, that is about all the time we have for this week's broadcast. We appreciate you joining us for our coverage of this year's Nebraska State Fair. Thank you to all our special guests and the people and the volunteers who make this event possible. We'll leave you with this, some of the sights and sounds from this year's State Fair.
join Market Journal online at marketjournal.unl.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Promotional support is provided by the Nebraska Farmer Magazine. Partial funding is provided by the Nebraska Soybean Board and the Nebraska Corn Board. Market Journal is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources.